Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are very glad that you are here today, that you have chosen to worship with Boiling Springs Baptist. We pray that we would open our hearts this morning to receive the love that God has shown to us all. Thank you, Alan. Good morning. Let us begin by standing and singing Circle of Love. commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Good morning. <clears throat> the Heck Jones offering provides funds to the missions and ministries of the WMU. GAs, or Girls in Action, is a missions discipleship organization for girls in grades one through six. This is made possible because of the WMU. This is mine and my mom's first year working with the GAs. We have seven precious young ladies in our first through third grade group, and I would like to share with you the mission statement of the Bowling Springs Baptist Church GAs. We, the GAs of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, love one another and care for each other. <clears throat> we want to reach out to our community, comfort them, and show them God's love. The goals of the Bowling Springs Baptist Church GAs are as follows. Liz learn what missionaries do, pray for missionaries and their work, discuss how we can help each other, save and give our money to tell others about Jesus, learn about people around the world, and have fun with our friends. And that's something we do every week. These girls are an amazing group of girls. They love learning about missions and what that means. We have learned about missionaries all over the world and the important work that they are doing. But not only that, we have learned about missionaries right here at home. 
We have listened to Mr. Melvin and Ms. Joanna Lutz as they talked about their important work in Guatemala, working to improve an orphanage through the Baptist Children's Home of North Carolina. We have heard from other local missionaries as well. Each month, we try to do a new mission project with the girls. Um, we have filled bags for Halloween treats for our church members who were in nursing homes. We have collected food items for the food pantry to help needy families throughout the holiday seasons. <clears throat> the fourth and sixth grade GAs are currently hosting a Valentine's Day party at a local nursing home. We have talked about ways that we can do missions throughout our everyday lives. We are currently working on a project with Hope's Chest in conjunction with Hope Animal Hospital to help homeless animals get the food, medicines, and other supplies while the hospital looks for homes for these animals. As much as we have tried to teach these girls the importance of giving, they have taught us so much more. Their positive attitudes and eagerness to give to each other and to give to others is just overwhelming. Please consider giving to the Heck Jones offering so that these wonderful things can continue to happen for these young ladies and also our church. Now that we have ignited the spark, it is up to all of us to keep the fires burning. Thank you. Our hymn this morning is called 10,000 Reasons or Bless the Lord. You can find the words on the screens or in your order of service. And if you are able, please stand and join me in singing.
Good morning. How are y'all today? We have a special day of the week this week. Can anybody tell me what that is? Valentine's. And what do we do on Valentine's? Do we eat Easter eggs? Do we eat turkey and dressing? What do we do on Valentine's? We eat candy. Mm, and where do you get that candy, Will? At home. Well, I wonder if anybody gives away their heart. No? Do you give away Valentine's to your friends at school? We do, don't we? Well, I want to give you a Valentine today, but mine's not real fancy, but it's got something on it that says, with love, or give your love away. Everybody gets one. And I want to share with you one verse from John 15, 13. No one has greater love than the one who gives their life for their friends. Did somebody give away his life? Who gave away his life? Jesus. Do you know what my favorite Valentine is? This one right here. Jesus' cross. Because he gave his life and my heart I give away all the time because he loves me every day. He died on the cross for us so that we would have love. He doesn't need a fancy Valentine with lace all over it. He doesn't need a heart with a sucker in it. He needs us to love him and to share our love with everybody we come in contact with. And that's what we're doing this week, isn't it? And this month is sharing our love, excuse me, and sharing our kindness. So you take your Valentine and you share it with someone else or you can eat it yourself and then Miss Ellen will give you another one to share with somebody else. Will that work, Luke? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you that we can share that love with others. But more important, Lord, is the fact that Jesus died so that we might be full of that love for him and for you. Bless these children, bless their families, bless this church. It's through your son's name that we honor you. Amen. Let us be mindful of a couple needs in our congregation. One is um, Billy Washburn, who we all know and love. Uh, had an accident Friday when she fell and actually broke both sides of her jaw. She went to the ER but came home late Friday night. And so she is seeing an ortho surgeon beginning of this week. And we want to be in prayer for Billy and the family as they are going through a very difficult time right now. Also, uh, Betty Washburn uh, began her treatments this last week. Uh, Betty Washburn. Betty Bridges, sorry began her treatments this last week, and we want to lift up uh, Betty uh, over these next several months as she uh, begins a new season of, of treatments and uh, more doctor visits, and uh, we certainly, our hearts go out to her as well. I want to pause a moment before I pray this morning, because as we come in here today, the morning may have been busy for you, and uh, you just, we need to maybe um, 
go to the Lord and, and lift up a concern that's weighing heavy on our hearts this morning or maybe just something that would help clear your head this morning to allow us to truly hear from the Lord. And so let's spend just a moment in silence and I will lead us in a prayer this morning. Let's pray together. Father, the words of the psalmist echo in my mind where he wrote, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Father, it is here with your people looking to your word, singing praise and worship to you that we can find greater clarity about who you are and who you created us to be. Father, stir us this morning. Move within us. Move us to new places. And we know sometimes, Lord, that can be difficult and it can be painful. Lord, help us to confess sin that may be in our lives. Help us to give you full permission to work and to move and to have your way in us. Lord, we lift up these who are struggling at this hour for Billy Washburn, for Betty Bridges, for others, Lord, who are recovering and those who may be beginning a new season of life due to health issues. Father, be with each one and Lord, help us as a church family to let us, or to, to do our part in letting them know that you love them and that we love them as well as they walk this journey. Father, bless our worship today. Every word spoken, every song sung. Father, may it move us into a closer relationship with you. Lord, as we move throughout this month of 28 days of love, and we're thinking of Valentine's Day this Wednesday, but Lord, help us to be mindful of that great commandment that you shared with your disciples, with those there generations ago, but Lord, it's still applicable for us today. When they ask, what is the greatest commandment? And you responded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, teach us more about how we can do that. Teach us more about what it means to be your people, not only as we share love with one another, but as we leave this place and share with many that need to hear of your love in our community and within our world. Bless our missionaries, Father, both here in Shelby and around the world. May you bless them with protection, provision, and with fruitful ministries. Father, bless this service today. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. Our next hymn is number 507, Would You Bless Our Homes and Families, number 507. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
I've just returned after being in South Africa for five weeks, and John and Elaine Broom send their greetings to you. But I want to ask you to pray on my heart. I put pray for rain in South Africa, particularly Cape Town. It's critical. The dams are at about 15%, and if they don't get a torrential amount of rain before the middle of May, all the taps in the city will be switched off. I was allowed to take a shower every other day for two minutes. And they save bath water, shower water, to flush the toilets. It's very critical. I feel guilty flushing my toilets since I've been back. I really do. We don't have a clue of what it's like there. We take water for granted. So please, as you pray, and I wish I could have sent the rain we've had since I've been back over there. It is critical. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for us, love for family. We thank you for a church family. We thank you for this time that we are emphasizing love and the love that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would send rain desperately to South Africa, to Cape Town, as it's so critical there. And help us to not take for granted the rain that we have that's coming down today. Lord, we thank you for blessing us in so many ways, and we pray that you would bless the gift and the giver today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you, Jeremiah and Roger. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. These words will also be on the screen. This is one of the last week, I said one of the most familiar uh, parables of Christ, the Good Samaritan, and this would certainly fall in that category as well. And the Lord has a strong message for us here this morning. But Luke 15, 11 through 32, Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, but while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. May God bless the reading and the preaching and the heeding of his word this morning. Amen.
In the midst of our congregation, Boiling Springs Baptist Church, we have a little bit of diversity. And most of you know that. Uh, as you begin to interact and get to know each other, we have people from all different walks and talks and some with different convictions about things. We center all those around Christ, but yet we are a diverse lot. One of the things that I hope that we can all agree on and come together with is the importance of family. Uh, that uh, uh, significant area is something that is very important to Boiling Springs Baptist Church, that of family. And I hope that in the coming months and years ahead, it is something that only continues to build and where families are strengthened, encouraged, but also challenged as they come for worship and as they participate in small groups and in Bible studies and in service opportunities. Family is important to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. And I hope again, even greater in the coming days. Family is the one place where we can experience some of life's greatest joys. Uh, just in tr intense happiness and joy and just, it, it's, it's what makes life at times worth living in the sense of sharing with family and the good times that can take place within family. But what can unfortunately also be true is family can also be a place where we share our great sorrows as well and where we experience some of our deepest pain is some, oftentimes in the midst of family. In my preparation for today, I read someone who was quoting the great Winston Churchill. You may have heard this quote when he said, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, and we shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. The person went on to say, it sounds exactly like our family vacation. <laughs> So speaking of family, let me introduce you to my immediate family. My immediate family. Most of you know these characters in the pictures. You saw the picture, I think, when I came to Boiling Springs two years ago of the one there of our family. Aiden, I mean, excuse me, uh, uh, Renee and I have been married for 18 years this coming August. And she was so kind last anniversary to buy me this mug. It says here, I don't need Google. My wife knows everything. It wasn't that... Wasn't that really nice of her to do that? Um, you see the newest addition to our family there, Finley. You've heard about our beloved Collie who we had some struggles with there in her first few months of life with uh, learning how to be a, a, a in-home or in-a-house dog. But you know she's part of the family when she's in the car, right? And she's, she's there in the back seat and got her long snout out the window. And then I had to put up the picture of Aiden when he was two years old and Renee was helping him learn how to make cookies. And so I'm sure you remember all of that, don't you, Aiden? And uh, that was just a, a cute picture. So sorry for embarrassing you there, Aiden. But uh, I also realized that most of you may not know my, uh, the family from whence I came. And so the next slide, if we can put that up there, there's my mom and dad. My mom went home to be with the Lord about 10 years ago in, in an accident. Her name was Evelyn. And my dad uh, is Harold Gordon, and my middle name is, is, my middle name is Gordon, so Keith Gordon. But there's uh, my dad, many, I appreciate your prayers for him over these last few months as he has been recovering from uh, some blood clots that were found in his lungs. And there's my sister on the, well, my right, I guess it's your right as well, yeah, and, and her husband, John. They live in Hendersonville and um, uh, work there in Hendersonville. And so that is my uh, parents and um, uh, grateful for uh, their love. Mom worked as a kindergarten assistant for over 20 years and dad worked at GE, the General Electric plant there in Hendersonville uh, for well over 30 years as an engineering assistant. 
And if we could go to the next slide, it was just one that I had to put in there. This was my wedding day, August the 12th, 2000. I have it easy. All I have to do is remember what year it is, and now I know what anniversary is coming up. So I've, I, I have to be honest, I, I kind of planned it that way. Well, no, I didn't plan it that way, but it, it worked out great. And so I just have to think what year it is. It's eight, so it's 18 years in August this year. But I just love that picture of my dad and I on my wedding day there at my home church in, at First Baptist East Flat Rock. And, and I don't know what, I still don't know, I don't know if Renee knows what, why we were laughing so hard, but it's just a, a picture that, that stands out as one of my favorites. Now, this next picture, I am, it, it takes a lot of vulnerability for me to share this next picture with you. And I want you to hear me say that. Um, I was in high school, I'm the one in the back there with the hat on and the cross around the neck. Um, but our youth minister back in the late 80s or early 90s decided that it would be a good idea to choose three boys from the youth group to do a rap for the senior adult lunch. That's right, he did. What, that went so well, what transpired from that was three or four years of this, this motley crew of guys right here traveling through various churches and youth rallies in the state of North Carolina and South Carolina and performing at Carowinds for about four or five years for the Baptist Youth Student Day that was there. We would perform on the street. And as I came to Garden Web my freshman year, I got to know others and would take other uh, real musicians uh, with me uh, to do some things. But we had a lot of fun together. And uh, I am grateful uh, for having that opportunity. And again, like I said, it's, it's something that uh, uh, it was very meaningful for me. And it's something I haven't talked a lot about because it's just, it was kind of silly. But at the same time, God used it in tremendous ways for us to share uh, with other youth and, and, and again, share his message. What was interesting in one of those summers for Baptist Youth Day, when we were performing on the street there at Carowinds, Renee was there and had her middle school orchestra group that she was there at Carowinds with stop and listen to us perform for a few minutes. Little did I know until after we were married for a few years, well, no, excuse me, when we started dating, that uh, she said, oh, that was you? And uh, little, little did I know that my future wife would be there at Carowinds stopping to listen to me rap uh, there on the street. Uh, that's right, your pastor um, on, in, at Carowinds. And so um, Harry, is in, Harry is in Raleigh now. He writes some for the Hendersonville Times News. He's an outdoorsman. He has a beard kind of down to his belly. And uh, John is there in Hendersonville and, and uh, loving the Lord and, and serving him and working there in Hendersonville. And so uh, please know that it took great vulnerability for me to share that picture with you this morning. And now the reason I'm sharing the picture with you this morning in the, in the midst of the subject love for family is this. I'm sure rap music was not on my parents' list of favorite music to listen to, okay? But nevertheless, I am pleased to say today and, and just proud to say that my parents, this was something that they supported. This is something that they uh, were involved in supporting and, and my home church was as well. And so when we think about our parents and the things our parents do for us at times, and we look back on it and we're like, man, I can't believe they actually supported me in this. And, uh, it, it, but it brings us a sense of peace. Now we can look back and say other things that they didn't support us in, but nevertheless, I'm grateful for the support I had from my parents. Now, moving on here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, we've talked about the importance of family. We currently have two classes that are being offered to help strengthen family. One that is helping strengthen marriages that meets um, Sunday afternoons at five o'clock called Deep Love. And the other is a parenting class that's been taking place now for about four or five weeks. 
And uh, we get in the room, one of the first things I said to the parents, and we've kind of agreed together, none of us have all the answers to this, to this work called parenting. We're all going to come and learn and grow together, and that's what we've been doing. We've looked at the topics of communication. We've looked at the topics of, of listening, and I wish that I would have applied some of the things that I learned about listening, not only uh, in my parenting, but also in my marriage when I, when I first got married, and the importance of listening first and then speaking because I always would often think that what I had to say was more important, so I need to say it first. I come to find out that it wasn't and that I needed to listen first and then respond. That might change what I'm going to say if I had listened first. And so we talked about how we've been learning each week that uh, not only with parenting, what we're learning is applying to our marriage lives and, and, and lives and, and it also applies simply to our workplace as well and uh, how we interact with others each and every day. We've also talked about um, influencing We've looked at the topic of connecting with our kids and discussed the power that a warm, appropriate physical touch has on a child. Heather Bridges, Heather and Dustin Bridges, who many of you know, Heather is in the class and she gave me permission to share this this morning, but uh, she shared, she's a guidance counselor at um, Boiling Springs Elementary and she shared that each week when she offers a reward for uh, something, when she's asking the questions and if they get the questions right, she will offer them either candy or a fist bump or a high five. And almost inevitably, every time, you know what the kids choose? The fist bump and the high five. And I thought that that was telling. When she shared that last Wednesday, I thought how, again, it reminds us as parents, but it, then it just as individuals, when we touch someone on the shoulder or a, a pat on the back or a handshake or a fist bump or elbow, whatever the guys do, or a fist, or a chest, I don't know, whatever, whatever, we, whatever we do, but the power of the physical touch, the children would choose that over, over candy. Next week, we look at how best to teach our kids. And I know this is something that's important to all of us. And so if there's parents that haven't come to this class, we look at a different subject each week and we still have books. So please know that you are all invited. Before we dive into our text this morning and look deeper at a story that many of you know very well, I wanna mention two things. One is a perfect home is a myth. I don't need to tell you this. Some of you realize that, but there are no perfect parents and there are no, and the perfect home does not exist. Every home I learned in college has some area of dysfunction. I didn't think I agreed with that when I first heard it, but then the more I thought about it and thought back about my past, I thought that's, that's a true statement. So let's just get that out on the table that there's no perfect home that exists. Also, let me also say that I understand to even speak of family can draw forth some negative emotions for many. Uh, scripture and church, we often use, uh, Scripture does this and, and we do it often as well. We refer to God as our Heavenly Father. And for some, this can bring up mixed emotions because when they think about uh, God or maybe they, when, they, when they hear that term at church, when, when they hear the word Father, their mind doesn't immediately go to a loving, uh, unconditional love, kind, you know, maybe a, a, you know, pr provider for the home. And there may be some mixed emotions when that word is used either when they hear it in the scriptures or they hear it at church. And even for some, this idea of brothers and sisters in Christ could be, I like that term, but for some, for some reason it could be awkward or it could be painful to hear that because maybe there was something in the home that was quite traumatic. I remember years ago when I had the opportunity through Garden Web to go to the Mills home, and I think I might have actually performed at the Mills home that weekend with a friend. Uh, with some of the things that I talked about earlier. But I remember staying in the home that night 
And an older house parent, um, I was hungry, and I may have shared this before, but she opened up the kitchen. It was locked, because if you're in a room full of boys, you have to lock the kitchen up at night, I guess. She unlocked the kitchen, and we went in, and she sat down. She was in her night robe, and I must have been really hungry to wake her up, and I, I don't know if I woke her up. But anyway, we're sitting in there, and we're, we're in the kitchen, and we're talking, and she shared with me that she had several boys with her right now that she could not tell I love you until she said I can show them and demonstrate to them what I'm talking about when I say I love you. She said, we have one young man now who uh, was telling me that tried to escape out the window when I was there uh, a few nights before. And she said, we're working on him. And she said, we're showing him God's love. We're demonstrating God's love for him. And she said, one day soon, I'm going to tell him that I love him. But she said, she, he grew up in a home where his father would say, I love you. And then he was abused. And so she said, his idea of love is nothing that he wants me to hear from me or to hear from anyone, especially not God at this time. And she said, we have to show him and teach him what we mean when we say God loves you or that I love you. Let me be very clear that the father's love in this story of the good Samaritan is a good kind of love, a love that is forgiving, a love that is not based on certain conditions, a love that desires the best in and for his son, a love that does not seek his harm in any way. I want to read the beginning of Luke 15 verses 11 through 13 uh, once again. The story says, a man had two sons. Jesus is telling the story. He says, the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And then in verse 13, it says, not many days later, this young son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. And I don't know about you, but every time I hear the parable of the Good Samaritan or the prodigal son or another popular parable, I'm thinking I've heard everything and thought about everything that I can think about in relationship to this parable. And so what new things am I going to learn? One of the new things that I've learned this week is the first few words of verse 15 that say, not many days later. So if you notice, the younger son basically had a death wish for his father in a sense. He was in a way saying, I wish you were dead. So how painful and hurtful that could be was to the father. Of course, it's a story, but just imagine how painful that uh, could be to a father. And so the son was still there for a few days because what does the scripture say at verse 13? It says, not many days later, then the younger son gathered his belongings and went on a journey. And so I pondered this week, Renee and I were talking about it last night. What might've happened during those few days? Your son has just said something to you incredibly painful and yet he's still there for two or three days. He didn't leave immediately. Did the father try to talk him out of what he was about to do? Did the father say, I will welcome you back with open arms, son? Did the father even talk to the son for those two to three days? We don't know. But I imagine that the father had several conversations, I would think, trying to dissuade the son, maybe letting him know that what he said was hurtful. But nevertheless, the son left and went on the journey. We may never know what this father said to his son, but we do know what our heavenly father has said to us. And one of the lessons this morning is that repentance is always possible for those who want to return to God. Repentance is always possible for those who want to return to God. This parable for Jesus' day forms what is most likely one of the most radical departures for godly living. The family formed one's ultimate human commitment, and I think and still does today. For the son to request the inheritance while the father was still living, again, was that death wish. It says, Father, I wish you were dead. The worst case scenario is here for this father. 
The son takes the money and leaves everyone and everything behind. Even his faith, he set off into unclean Gentile territory, which would soon render him unclean for a young Jewish man. It's there that the son wastes all his money on wild living and loses it all. Adding to his troubles, a severe famine hits the land. He needs a job and he finds one feeding pigs, the worst possible job for any Jewish man. He becomes so desperate, he thinks about eating some of the unclean pig food from the unclean farmer in the unclean land. Of course, his own decisions have led him to this low point and circumstances outside of his control, the famine in the land has made the situation incredibly worse. In his desperate plight, his only decision was to return home, but not as a son, but as one of his father's slaves. My favorite scene in this story takes place in verses 20 through 24, and I want to read it once again. He got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Isn't that great? His father was looking for him. You see the old country porch? That's kind of what I always have in my mind when I see this in the long dirt road. The father was on the porch every day looking for him, looking for him to come home. So while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran. Something that a Jewish man would not do and did not do was run. But his father saw him and he ran. I love the old song. Some of you may have heard it. It's called, was it Benny Hester? Is that who it was? When God ran? To think about that. Because the father in the story obviously represents God. When God ran, he embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. Throughout human history, there have been prodigals. There have been prodigals like the young man in the story today. And there's some here today that may have fit this description at some point in your life, and there may be some today that would fit that description with us this day. There may be a prodigal in your family. The story of the prodigal is all too familiar. If it hasn't visited us personally, we know of someone that has struggled with a prodigal. We probably all know of someone who God is wooing, who God is calling to come back home, to come live once again in relationship. Someone who needs reminded that the door is always open and forgiveness is always possible. For those who change and repent, God stands ready to run, to hug, to welcome and forgive. We could dwell here on this son, but we have another one in the story, a second lesson from a second son. God's people ought not to begrudge his generosity for even the most wayward of sinners. God's people ought not to begrudge his for even the most wayward of sinners. If all Jesus wanted to do was to teach us that of repentance, he would have stopped at verse 24 in this parable. I have heard sermons and Bible studies in the past where that has been the case. And they read the story of the prodigal son at verse 24, they stop and we do not read and hear the story of the second son. But now we have a second son and a second point. Instead of rejoicing at the return of the prodigal like the father, the older son complains, he gets angry and he refuses to go in. He whines about how he was one who had slaved all his life and never been rewarded with such a lavish party. And now the older son 
distances himself from the younger son, speaking of him as that son of yours and not even acknowledging the fact that he is my brother, that he is his brother. But he says to the dad, that son of yours. Kind of like when your mom and dad get mad, you know, and I'll tell Renee, that son of yours, you know, like if we are, not that we're ever mad at you, Aiden, but you know, it does happen from time to time. But you know, I know it's happened in your home, right? I heard it, my mom would say that. She's like, you know, she would, she would tell my dad, that son of yours today, you know, so we, we, we kind of, we can, I think, imagine that. But where was the joy in seeing this brother return for this older brother? Where was the empathy and the mercy and the grace that his father exemplified? It's certainly not in the, in the older brother. He resembles what we think of as a Pharisee. He followed the rules, but where was the love? We need to ask ourselves the question, how much of this hard-hearted attitude remains in us? Do we begrudge God's mercy and generosity when people who have hurt us respond to God's forgiveness? Do we want to continue to withhold forgiveness, grace, and mercy because really we don't think they should be let off the hook for what they've done? The hurt they have caused us has been painful. A heart check is in order here for all of us. This story could be called the parable of the prodigal sons. The most important character in the story, however, is neither son, although most of us at some time or another could identify with one or both of the sons. We should be focusing on identifying with and modeling the love of the father to the sons. The third lesson in the parable is that God in his lavish love forgives the sins of both sons and wants us to do the same. God in his lavish love forgives the sins of both sons and asks us to do the same. The younger and older son both deserve to be rebuked. The younger son for his overt rebellious behavior and the uh, older son for his more covert sins of pride and prejudice and backbiting. The parable remains open-ended. We don't know how long the younger son remained repentant. And we don't know if the older son changed his attitude. Neither of these questions matter to us today. What does matter is how we respond. And are there areas in which you and I need to repent? What I said earlier remains true. God is calling us to repent of sin. And God is wooing us. He is calling us. He is reaching out to us in many different ways to live in relationship with him. For those who stand ready to repent, God is waiting to forgive, to embrace, and to welcome home. Are you ready to fall into the arms of our heavenly father and to confess known sin? and to ask him to do a new work in you, in me, in us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for the power of your word that Lord, when we read, even at times a familiar story, there's always new things that you would have to teach us. Father, the forgiveness and the love and the grace that is offered by this father, we know is also offered by you as well. Father, forgive us when we have acted out like the rebellious younger son. Forgive us when our sins of pride and prejudice and backbiting have been evident like that of the older son. We thank you for this example of the father, the father who uncustomarily and, and ran when he saw his son, he had been looking for him. 
And he embraced him and kissed him and didn't make him as one of his slaves, but welcomed him back into the home and not only welcomed him, but welcomed him with a party. Father, when we really think about the depths of your love, it just, it doesn't make sense at times because all we have to go by is our earthly relationships. And we know that when pain happens and pain can be so deep, it's hard for us to throw a party when one comes home like this. And Father, forgive us for wrong attitudes. Forgive us for when we again have taken that rebellious road. Father, with a crowd this large today, there are some here that need to hear the different messages that come from this story. And Father, I pray if there is a prodigal here today, Lord, that they would know that your arms are always open and that they're always welcomed home. Lord, if there are others here that struggle with the sins of the older son, I pray they would also hear your tender voice of forgiveness. That they would, be, they would hear your words from 1 John 1, 9 when you says, if we confess our sins to, to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May they hear that powerful word of forgiveness from your heart today. Lord, help us to be more like the Father in this story. And despite our deep and painful hurt, Father, may we always have arms that are open to embrace the wayward sinner who wants to come home. Thank you for this word and thank you for this message today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here today and you've never repented of your sins, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins and to come in and change your life, he is ready to do that today. Today can be a day that changes your life forever. I would love to talk with you more about how you can do that and what that means. If you're here today and maybe again, that the, the sin, the pride of the, the older son is resonating with you, you're welcome to pray there in your pew with the kneeling benches are down here as well. The invitation is for each of us today. Let's stand and sing together. singing that song, let's do what I did when we grow up and everybody grabbed a hand and then I remembered that, wait a second, no, the flu's going around, so that's probably not a good idea. So we won't do that today, but maybe we'll wait till spring and sing that song again and, and I'll ask you to grab a hand nearby. If you filled out a red heart this morning, then come and pick up a red heart as you leave today and know that we will do this the next two Sundays. So uh, go ahead and write that prayer concern on there. Even when you get here for Sunday school or men's time, go ahead and write that prayer concern on your sticky heart, um, that sticky note. 
carts that will be in your bulletin. And then as the baskets come around the next two Sundays, place that in there. They'll be up here. Please take one. Also, we do have the sign-up sheets for the 28 Days of Love and some of our area businesses are on here. And so you as an individual can sign up for a business or you may as a class or a small group in the church uh, want to sign up for one of our area businesses. So please know that those are down here. Receive now the following benediction. Dismiss us now from this place with your blessing. Strengthen us and equip us to love neighbor and family in a way that points all to a closer walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.